Hey, this is John from pureandsimplebible.com. Welcome back. So glad you're here. Grateful that you are diligent to listen to these podcast Bible study conversations that I get to have with so many people. And I've had some really great feedback. I'd love to hear from you too. If you have a discussion topic, uh, a, a Bible verse, a Bible topic, a question that's relevant to the Christian faith that you think would be really good to have a conversation about, will you please let me know about it? You can write it in a Facebook post, an Instagram message. You can email me at pureandsimplebible at gmail.com. There's also ways for you to even call me or text me. Uh, my phone number is out there on the various platforms as well. I'd love to hear from you. So if you have something you think would be helpful, please let me know. Man, I'd really love to be able to sink my teeth into it. We're wrapping up the third of a series of conversations about predictive prophecy. We've talked about how predictive prophecy distinguishes the true God from false gods, validates true prophets, verifies other predictions to be made in the future, and was necessary to explain the exile to latter generations. Now, that one specifically, how predictive prophecy would show that people were going into exile because of their disobedience to God and not because other idols and uh, gods of other nations were, in fact, stronger than the great I Am, the Yahweh of Israel. Uh, it's going to go hand-in-hand hand with the fifth point that we're going to make on predictive prophecy. So make sure you are paying special attention as we jump into this third and final episode on seven purposes of predictive prophecy. Let's jump in, shall we? This point that we've just made about predictive prophecy needing to explain the exile to latter generations, it really kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with your next point about uh, deliverance. So exile and deliverance, two things that happen many times uh, together in the Old and the New Testament. So let's maybe consider this fifth reason, and then I'll recap what we've looked at so far. Uh, why predictive prophecy in relation to deliverance? Okay. Predictive prophecy was necessary because deliverance takes time. Mm -hmm. Prediction of the future points to the fact that deliverance is going to take some time to accomplish. Right. That's another reason why certain prophets wrote down their prophecies. There would be no quick fix in Isaiah's lifetime. Right. The restoration of the people to a right relationship with God would happen in stages. First, the people would be released from physical exile and slavery in Babylon, and then Secondly, the people would be released from spiritual exile and slavery in sin. Mm. The physical release from Babylon would take 70 years, according to Jeremiah 25, verse 11. Right. For 490 years, Israel refused to keep God's covenant law that every seventh year would be a Sabbath. Now, that was the law in Leviticus 25, verses 1 through 7. And for 490 years, they did not keep that seventh-year Sabbath law. Wow. For 70 years, Judah is going to have to be in captivity to make up for all those missed sabbatical years. And that's what Second Chronicles 36, 20, and 21 is teaching us. Mm -hmm. Then it's going to take—it took 490 years to get into this mess. 
and it's going to take 490 more years to deal with their rebellion and sin that brought about the original problem to begin with, mm-hmm. and also 490 years to bring the Messiah into the world. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 is talking about that. So there, we have this sandwich of numbers here, 490 followed by a 70, followed by a 490. That's right. That's very compelling. I, I really enjoy looking at those scriptures and, and the bullet points that are made there. What's going to happen when the, the the Messiah finally does come? So what's at the end of this 490? Okay, when the 490 years are done, according to Daniel chapter 9, God will make a new covenant with his people. Mm-hmm. He'll circumcise their hearts and write his laws in their minds. Okay. They'll finally respond to him in faithfulness. They would receive the forgiveness of their sins. Right. The temple would be rebuilt. And once again, God would dwell in the midst of his people. Okay. And this is what Jesus is getting at in John chapter 2. In verse 19, he said to them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Jesus is the rebuilt temple. In Matthew Chapter 1, verse 23, the scripture says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Mm. Through Mm -hmm. Jesus, God once again dwells among his people as a king because Jesus is is the temple. He's the rebuilt temple, and the temple is where God dwelt. So the messages of the prophets were written down in order to bring comfort and encouragement during the long, weary years while God was working out his great plan of salvation. Right, right. Well, let's sum it up real quick. Maybe if somebody's on the road and they're listening to this, uh, let's talk about those first five. Uh, Predictive prophecy distinguishes the true God from false gods. That was the first one. Predictive prophecy validated true prophets from their... uh, false peers, meaning they had to speak in the name of God, and then it had to come to pass to validate that they were true. The third was that predictive prophecy, it verified other predictions that would not be as tangible in the lifetime of the people that that heard the prophecies. And then the final two that we've been talking about was that predictive prophecy um, was necessary to explain exile and deliverance. So uh, these two things tied together. We've got two more to go. So uh, help me understand the sixth reason. What's this reason about for why predictive prophecy matters? Okay, predictive prophecy was necessary to show that God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. And this goes along with some of the other points that we've made. But the people of Judah and Jerusalem were not the only ones who needed to know God predicts and controls the future. The nations of the world needed to know that as well. Assyria needed to know it was not their military might which caused Israel to fall. Right. Babylon needed to know the same thing. Mm-hmm. The reason Israel and Judah fell was only because they had violated the covenant with their God. No other reason than that. Assyria and Babylon needed to know that they were simply puppets being used by God, and their gods were false gods and were totally powerless. God used Nebuchadnezzar to bring Judah into captivity, and then God predicted the future to Nebuchadnezzar. He predicted Nebuchadnezzar 
would go completely insane mm-hmm. for three and mm-hmm. a half years. That's right. Look at this. Daniel 4, verse 29 through 32. Go ahead. Uh, it says, At the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for my for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you for men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Now, if, if God had not given the prophecy beforehand, Nebuchadnezzar might have concluded that his insanity was, you know, just a freak accident <laughs> of nature. Right. Or, or maybe one of the Babylonian gods was upset with him. Right. But the prophecy helped Nebuchadnezzar realize that there's a God up in heaven mm-hmm. whom Daniel served, mm-hmm. and that God was upset with him, and it wasn't a God of Babylon. It was right. the living God of heaven. Right. So did Nebuchadnezzar learn the lesson? Look at this. chapter Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. Read there. Okay. It says, And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Okay, so predictive prophecy is what brought about this awareness in Nebuchadnezzar's life that there's a God up in heaven that is more powerful than my Babylonian gods. I'm reflecting on if he learned this life-changing lesson, how could Belshazzar be so awful? And I guess free will is the answer. You know, you can't... Well, it's it's the a replay of what you read in the days of Joshua, all of those people served the Lord all the days of their life. And when they died, a new generation arose who did not know the works of the Lord. Mm. So Nebuchadnezzar evidently failed to teach his children and grandchildren. Belshazzar was his grandson, I believe. Mm -hmm. Belshazzar just wasn't taught adequately and he didn't learn the lesson that his grandpa had learned. Raising children is not the purpose of this Bible study, but I was wondering if you could comment maybe. I see that again and again in the Bible. You see, you know, these kings who are faithful to God, and then their son would turn around and be completely unfaithful to God. You have a soundbite or something? What could we do as Christians, you know, fathers and husbands raising our families today to avoid this pattern? Well, we just have to do like Deuteronomy chapter 6 teaches 
uh, Israel was to speak to their children when they rose up, when right. they walked down the road, when they sat down, when they laid down at night. They were supposed to be talking to their children all day, every day, seven days a week, not just at church for an hour on Sunday. Right. But all day, every day. And those children were to learn about God and his ways uh, as a way of life, not just, like we said, one hour a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's the lesson that we need to learn from all of this. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, we're on our seventh reason. So jumping back into our study now, uh, we, we see that God is sovereign, but it also helps us with one final thing. What does predictive prophecy do for us? Okay, predictive prophecy proves the Word of God is trustworthy. You, okay. you can trust it. Predictive prophecy proves God keeps His Word. He does what He says He'll do, always. Mm -hmm. He is a faithful covenant keeper. Mm. The covenant between God and His people is like a marriage covenant. How can two people continue in an intimate relationship of love with one another if you don't always trust what the other person says? Right. Right. Lack of trust leads to a complete breakdown in a relationship. And in the same way, the only way the people can come to believe and rely upon the Word of God, no matter how unlikely it may seem, mm. could God and Israel have a covenant relationship of love, faithfulness, loyalty, obedience, trust? When the prophets wrote down their prophecies, and it became proof of the reliability of God, then they could have that intimate relationship with God right. that God wanted to have. Mm -hmm. Later generations would eventually be part of a renewed covenant relationship, and they learned the same lesson as well. So the repetition of learning the lesson again and again. I notice in your notes here you have something about Psalm 22. Tell me about that. Well, every Sunday during the communion, I read Psalm 22 in my Bible to help me concentrate on the death of the Lord. And listen to the last two words of this Psalm, Psalm 22, verse 30. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. Mm. Um, so we've looked at seven reasons for these prophets to predict the future and why they wrote them down instead of just uh, delivering them orally. So I'm wondering if there's any kind of wrap up and conclusion that you'd like to make about these. Well, this is why there's such a variety of predictions and different ways to describe the future. It's fundamental that we see prediction of the future as essential in calling Israel to account for their covenant violation. Right. right. Idolatry is at the heart of covenant violation. The only distinction between false gods and the true God is the ability to announce and control the future. Amen. That's a very compelling evidence, especially for um, even in our day and age, non-believers, the time I've spent in Southeast Asia, and maybe you have around the world as well, using prophecy that there is, in fact, the ability to announce and control the future. How could this 
only come from man, that these things that clearly happened in history were also predicted hundreds, even thousands of years before it came about. It's it's a great apologetic tool. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to somebody and they have doubts about whether or not the Bible is true, can I really believe the Bible? Did it really come from God? Or did somebody just sit down and just write it up? You can use um, fulfilled prophecy as a great proof to show that God was the author behind this. Mm-hmm. And men could not have thought this up. I don't have any more questions for you. Is there any, you have a closing or anything, any statement that we've missed out on, or do you feel like you've covered the topic adequately? <laughs> well, I'd like to make a plug for my website. Please do. Um, my website um, is willofthelord.com. No right. spaces between those words. Okay. Willofthelord.com. And on my website, uh, there are many different articles to choose from Mm -hmm. that articles that will hopefully help you to understand a little bit better about some of the prophecies of the scripture and better appreciate how God is the one who is in control of the future. And while we may not know all the details about the future, we can know that God is in control. Mm -hmm. And if we do what he says, he will certainly keep his word. He's already proven that right. abundantly. So uh, I hope that perhaps some of the materials available at our website might be useful to others as they study their scriptures. And these, you know, there's a lot of audio presentations. They also come with notes, right? There's uh, right. Word documents that are attached with them that have the notes outlined. Right. Most most of the presentations uh, are both audio and uh, written notes as well. You can print the written notes off or put them on your phone and scroll through them and read mm-hmm. along as as I go through the oral study. Excellent. So that's willofthelord.com. Right. So go there and check it out. Well, thank you so much for coming on and grateful again for this Bible study conversation. I hope that you're blessed in your future works. Thank you. Thanks. I want to thank George for coming on the podcast. Thankful for his willingness and patience to sit with me and talk with me about this subject. It's one of those things where, man, I really could have just sat and listened the whole time. I want it to be a conversational format, so I did try to interject myself in it. Some of this information is just so, so good, and I find myself silently listening for probably longer than I should have, but what a great set of content to listen to, right? I hope you'll consider the other podcast episodes. You can find them videos, and a lot of other resources available on the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com. Go check it out. Always remember this. God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.